Welcome! Today we are talking to John from the Northshire Area Trail System. NATS, for short, is a group that's working in the Manchester-Dorset area to take care of and build new trails. John also told us about his experience with mountain biking in this area. As well as how beginners can get into mountain biking safely and some resources to find their way and get started. We hope you enjoy this episode as we had a lot of fun making it. Oh no, they're recording us. Uh, all right, welcome to another episode of Eye on the Shires. I'm here, me and Dakota have John Mallory from uh, the North Shire Area Trail System with us today. Hey John, how are you? I'm great, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to talk to you. We, uh, we started this podcast to talk about the community and all the different groups inside of it that kind of make it special and what it is and uh we've talked to people from history community what else sports uh outdoor ed and i will say one of the things that excites us most is the mountain biking in this area uh we live in we live in west pollett uh, as you know, there's been an organization building a ton of trails in Pulteney, just to the north of us, and with the with Nats to the south, it's amazing how quick mountain biking's blowing up here. Stratton just put in their downhill course a few uh, years ago, so we're excited to talk to you about it and get kind of eye from inside the Northshire bike community. So. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds great. I definitely think that the mountain biking community is growing, is blowing up quickly around here. So, yeah, it sure is. I made some trips when I first moved to Vermont up to the Northeast Kingdom, and it was crazy what it was like up there when I got up there. It was just whole towns kind of built around this mountain bike community. So I'm excited to see something like that spring up down here. Yeah, uh, it's pretty amazing up there. It's it's been going on for a while, but this part of the state. It's definitely growing much more quickly now. When we were, we started a mountain bike team at Vern Burton six years ago, and we had a handful of kids who were interested. So we had a club one year with about seven kids, and the next year we had maybe like 13 kids, and now we're up to 35 kids. And so oh, people awesome. are coming out of the woodwork. And it's not just that kids are coming to Vern Burton and getting interested, they're actually coming in from families who ride all the time and so there are more and more families moving to the community who all ride. And that's yeah. what's fun too, is like a lot of the, a lot of the athletes we have on the mountain bike team go ride with their parents on the weekends and they come from whole families of mountain bikers. That's awesome. Well, we're, we're one of those families. My Dakota's my oldest, my youngest is just getting to the point where she's uh, good on a bike in the woods. And uh, it's exciting to know all four of us can jump on our bikes and go have fun in the woods. And most of the time it's completely free, except for when we right. break ourselves and our bikes. <laughs> yeah. You guys are lucky to be by the Slate Valley trail system where yeah. there are just an unbelievable amount of trails appearing out of the woodwork and free to everyone. Yeah. It's an incredible opportunity. So tell us about you. What brought you to this area? How long you been here? What, what do you do? You know, give us your background, what, what you're up to. Absolutely. So um, I actually 
primarily grew up in Vermont. I've lived in Vermont since I was four and um, lived in Brownsville where Mount Escutney is and there's a great trail system up there now and then lived in Grafton and um, went to college in Vermont and then afterwards left for a little while but started mountain biking when I was in college and um, continued, lived in Boston for a while and biked a lot down there and came back to Vermont in 2002 and um, loved mountain biking. But honestly, at that time, there, was, there weren't a lot of people around who mountain biked. So not having also a lot of, not a lot of trails in our area that were open to mountain biking. So I actually started road biking more and more and did a lot of road biking for quite a while until I started to run into more people involved in mountain biking and involved in the mountain biking community and got involved in trying to create more places to ride. So it was partially out of need, but I uh, have been mountain biking myself for a long time. So built a trail on my own land when there wasn't much else to ride on. And, um, and so partly because of all that and just being interested in meeting more riders, um, I somehow uh, learned that there was a bike club in Manchester, which was started right about that time. So maybe 2004 or five or somewhere right around there. But at that time that was called the Manchester in the mountains bike club. And um, started by, I think it was probably the idea of, and certainly spearheaded by Joe Miles, um, who started the organization. And at that time it was founded as a club to promote uh, biking in general and um, to promote trail building as well but it was biking in general and so it was a mix of road bikers and mountain bikers and we had a fair number of members and did a variety of things at that time um, one was you know help promote some events around here so there was the equinox hill climb that was part of a series of hill climbs around new england called the bump series so there was a race up equinox every year which we helped promote and and administer brutal did you ride it yeah i never did i never happened to be around at the time it was happening <laughs> just accidentally you're always out of yeah, exactly always <laughs> planned vacations right around that time strangely enough um but we also we produced a map a road biking map of manchester in the mountains which is still available at bat and kill bikes um which maps sort of d different preferred road routes around this great area and um so that was another project. We built a little trail at the Manchester Rec, sort of a kid's bike trail, which is still exists and still gets cleaned up every year. Um, and then gradually sort of moved into more trail building. Um, it's tough around here because we have a weird, although there's just an unbelievable amount of land and forest, uh, most of it's either privately owned or it's national forest. Right. And private land has its own challenges because you have to convince landowners that <clears throat> you should let them let you build trail and hey, they should man, open it up to the public. Exactly. Right. Right. So that's the issue with private land. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the same time, <clears throat> national forest has a lot of rules and bureaucracy around what their trails are allowed for. And, um, in New England, in the Green Mountain National Forest, the forest plan says that mountain bikes are uh, forbidden use unless they're expressly allowed, which is All different right. parts of the country. So like in the Western forests, a lot of trails were by default open to mountain biking. Um, so they're open to mountain biking unless they're expressly forbidden. Yeah. So 
in the Northeast, we've had to work hard for many, many years now with the Forest Service to get them on board with opening up trails to mountain biking. So we've kind of been trying to do two things. Um, one is to build new trail and the other is to work with the Forest Service to open some existing trails to mountain biking. Awesome. So we started to build some trails around um, maybe 2010 or so. Uh, we got permission to build a new trail in the town of Dorset, which has become known as the Humphreys Trail at the end of Church Street in Dorset. And that's all on private land. So landowners have graciously allowed us to build it and have kept it open. And um, it's great. Vermont actually has great laws that protect landowners who allow use of their land. Vermont has some of the strongest liability laws in the country. <clears throat> so that if a landowner does allow public use of their land, they are extremely well protected against liability if anything happens on it. Right. Yeah. And we, that's been tested that time and time again. I learned moving from different states. I previously lived in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And when I moved to Vermont and learned how, you know, the woods are kind of free unless they're posted and you can yeah. play and and everybody's kind of protected by this law is just it was such a game changer it changed my whole perspective on ownership of land even just it's interesting right. here it's amazing yeah yeah absolutely and that's been um and vermont has a history of letting people you know letting people recreate on your land so hunting for one but um vast the snowmobile association yeah. has long had trails all over the state Right. And, um, you know, their trail network is extremely extensive and and much of it is on private land. But a lot of it also goes through the National Forest. Right. So there's a lot of history in Vermont of sort of allowing private use of trails on your land. And that's helpful as well, both in terms of getting people used to the idea. Um, it's also been useful with working with the Forest Service, because at the same time, you know, we started to work more and more with the Forest Service on trying to open up bike trails. And one thing going on at the same time is is VAST has had sort of a decreasing membership over the years. It, um, it sort of, you know, ebbs and flows in different places, but in our area, especially, there's less and less people involved in VAST now and getting out and wanting to maintain snowmobile trails. Right. So one thing that the Forest Service is finding is that they have a lot of trails out there and nobody's, nobody to maintain them. Right. And the Forest Service doesn't want to actually give up trails. Um, they want those trails to stay in use. And so, We've changed over the years from really having to go to the Forest Service and asking um, for permission to use trails for mountain biking to them, sometimes even coming to us now and saying, hey, there's this trail that Vast no longer wants to maintain. Is this a trail that your bike club wants to take over stewardship of? Right on. And so we've been trying to build that relationship with the Forest Service and, and um, you know, it's helped a little bit that Vast is becoming less and less active. I don't know. That's interesting. I don't. I never heard that Vast was dwindling a bit. I yeah, it definitely has. There are a lot of trails up in our area, um, up in the mountain towns that Vast used to maintain and is no longer maintained. Um, it's expensive, and a big part of it is the number of bridges around here that have to get maintained. Right. There was one section of trail um, called the Devil's Den Trail up in. I guess it probably is in Peru and Mount Tabor, but you sort of access it from Landgrove. And um, that trail alone had seven bridges in the course of about two or three miles. Yeah. So it was a pretty fun trail um, and it was a vast snowmobile trail. But when Vast decided they weren't gonna maintain it anymore, the Forest Service came to us and asked if we wanted to maintain it, but 
the Forest Service had already condemned the bridges. So we would have been looking at somehow replacing seven bridges just to make a couple of miles tra miles of trail. And these aren't bridges you can pull a, a dump truck full of supplies no. up either, are they? No, these are bridges out in the woods. And so, and they're not cheap. We have to build bridges to Forest Service specs. So um, it's not cheap. We're slated to replace two bridges up in Weston this summer on a trail called the Moses Pond Trail. This is part of what's also the Catamount Ski Trail. Yeah. So it's a multi-purpose trail, but for these two bridges alone, the budget is about $58,000. Wow. So uh, wow. bridges are expensive wow. and it takes a lot of work to build them. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Crazy. So bridges are expensive and that's, um, that's part of the problem. The Forest Service is trying to more and more cut back on bridges and use less fords in the rivers instead and stone fords and try to avoid building bridges that then have to get maintained over the years. Yeah. We just wow. built a new one in Peru last summer on the Stone Place Trail, which, you know, we did do with all volunteer labor and we're able to do it more like fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, but it's still a lot of money and a lot of fundraising. Yeah. So why why were you touching the topic? This is a big point of what we're doing here is tell us about the volunteering and the the donating. How does how does that work with your organization and where do you yeah. people go to look into that? So the activities that we do are, are mostly trail building and um, things like bridge bridge building. Um, this is why we actually sort of evolved. I had mentioned the Manchester in the Mountains Bike Club. and uh, But now, as you said in the beginning, we're, our organization name is Nats, the North Shire Area Trail System. So what happened was we when we started building trail, um, we needed insurance. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had insurance as the Manchester in the Mountains Bike Club but they would not, the insurance company we used at the time, and we sort of paid for our own insurance, would not cover trail building. And so we went looking for insurance, and it's amazing how many decisions in life are driven by insurance, um, and found out that the uh, Vermont Mountain Bike Association, or VIMBA, would provide insurance to its chapters at a pretty reasonable cost. And so at that point, given that we didn't have too many other insurance options, we decided to sort of abandon the MMBC model and switch to a um, organization that was really sort of focused on mountain biking, but even more so just build, focus on trail building. Yeah. Um, so we didn't even do quite as much promoting of biking anymore as much as really just focusing on trail building. So hence the name, the North Shire Area Trail System. And I think it was around 2010 or 12 or something that we switched and officially became a chapter of the Vermont Mountain Bike Association. And officially became so, as Nats, those annoying little bug supplier. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. We are now Nats. Uh, we modeled that on BATS, I have to admit, which is the Bennington Area Trail System, right. our uh, sister organization to the south. So uh, we have to say we pretty closely copied their name. Nats and BATS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We weren't that creative. No Batman. I can't wait for Natman. <laughs> so, um, so around that time, with the with the switch to Nats, we started on the trail in Dorset, and this is where you know we really started to need volunteer labor. So we've built so far in Dorset about seven miles of trail in the last ten years or so, and it's almost all been completely hand built. Wow. So um, there's a lot of labor involved. There's a lot of planning and mapping and layout to start with. 
And then you go out and you sort of rough flag, rough flag the where the trail is going to go and get all the permissions and all of that. And then you go through and you fine flag the trail. So we put flags every four feet or so where the actual trail bed is going to go. And then people come through and um, first of all, clip little trees and twigs in the way and then rake all the leaves and sort of the, the surface material off. And then we come through with um, more digging type of tools, hose and McLeods and chop down through the topsoil to get to the gravel, the harder and, and um, drier gravel underneath it and um, smooth out that trail bed and remove rocks and things like that. And then we come through and clean up the borders. So there's a lot of labor involved. Yeah. Um, probably a person, you know, every, in a few hour trail session, each person can do maybe 10 or 15 feet of trail. So and it's a slow process. So hence the <clears throat> 10, you know, seven miles in 10 years. Yeah. Um, it's a slow process. And so the more people we get out there, the better. So all that trail has been built the last couple of years with volunteer labor. We sort of got to the point um, after Humphreys Trail, we built a trail called the Grouse Lane Trail, or actually it's called the Dorset Hollow Trail now, the official name, which is at the end of the Dorset Hollow Road. Yep. And that is on forest service land entirely in the national forest. So that's been a project in the works for up to like 15 years. Wow. Um, it took five or more to get the permissions and lay it out and um, get it all figured out. And then another almost 10 to build it. And so it goes from the Dorset, end of the Dorset Hollow Road, basically this sort of winds up Dorset Peak. Okay. And so it climbs about a thousand feet in four miles. And um, it's an amazing climbing trail. And it's about four miles of trail. But what happened on that one is by the time we got to the top, it was all hand built to about a mile from the top. But by the time we got there, the only way to access it is from the bottom. So if you had a three hour trail session, it took 45 minutes to hike up to the trail and probably half an hour to hike back down. So if you had three hours to spend, you'd spend an hour and 15 minutes just walking up to the trail and back down again. And you were so exhausted that um, you didn't get much done. Yeah. So we quickly started to lose our volunteers and um, nobody was getting up there to work on the trails. It just wasn't worth it. We had some um, Vermont Youth Conservation Corps crews go up there and work on it. But even for them, they had to hike up every day and hike back down and carry all their stuff and tools up and food. And right. uh, so in the end, we ended up hiring, Nats ended up hiring a trail builder to go up there with an excavator and finish the last mile of trail and then just did handwork to finish off their work afterwards. So wow. if you ride up there, you can see a transition about three quarters of the way up where the trail changes a little bit. It gets a little wider and um, because there just wasn't the volunteer labor we need. Yeah. So with so, the Youth Conservation yeah. Corps, do they go and camp out at the trail where they're working for like the week? That's typical. Yeah. They yeah. camped right there at that trailhead. Some, I think, depending on where they're working, the Forest Service has sort of a camp at their work center in Mount Tabor. All right. So they have a place in Mount Tabor where those crews stay a fair amount. But it depends yeah. on where they're working and who's there, I think. Right on. That's dedication for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So a big part of the volunteer labor is trail building. And then we occasionally have things like bridge building. Um, last summer, we built this bridge in Peru. And um, a good part of the work is leading up to the bridge, bridge design and working with the, uh, you have to get permits from the state and um, design the bridge and order the materials and get the materials delivered. And the one we built last summer is 32 feet long and used uh, what are called glue lamb trusses 
So they're 32 foot beams that were 17 and a half inches tall by five and a half inches wide and 32 feet long. And we use four of them as the support for the bridge. So they all have to get set with excavators and we used waste concrete blocks, which weigh 2000 pounds each at the end. Wow. So after we had all the materials out there, then it's a day of work with a really big excavator and bucket loader, just moving materials in and setting those. And then once all that stuff is in place, it was really only a half day to build the rest of the bridge. Um, that part is fairly easy once all the prep is done and everything is, is on site. But depending on where bridges are, it's a lot of work just to get the materials there. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely won't take for granted when I see a bridge in the woods anymore. I never, I, you know, it's one of those things I rarely think about. I've been up on yeah. Haystack a few years ago here in Pollitt and I saw them putting just a footbridge in and they were using horses. And I was like, that is a cool way to do it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a small footbridge. So yeah. And especially places you can't get heavy equipment. I mean, we were lucky enough last summer that the, the one we were working on was we could get a bucket loader and an excavator too, and trucks too. Yeah. Um, so we had to do a little bit of improving of a little section to get to it. But, um, once we, we did, we could even get an excavator to both sides of the river, which is pretty key too, because if you're doing a big bridge, you really need the excavator to be on the other side. And with right. no bridge to get it there, you have to figure that out. So it looks like the ones we're gonna be doing this summer is the same way we'll be able to get an excavator out to both sides of the bridges. And uh, So these are the things we use volunteers for. I mean, there's also a fair amount of, you know, various people involved in the organization of the volunteers because that alone is a big project. And then we have things like manning our Facebook page and um, finances and working with the Vermont Mountain Bike Association and, um, and all those things. So you asked about fundraising as well and, and money. Yeah. And um, basically some of our funding we get through membership so people can join Nats. And the way to do that is that you actually join the Vermont Mountain Bike Association. So you can go to their website, which is vmba.org and you join Vimba. And when you do that, you choose a local chapter. And right. So you choose the North Shore Area Trail System as your local chapter. And so half of that money gets sent right back to us. And the other half of it covers Vimba's expenses like insurance and promotion. And so they do a lot of things for us as well. So they deal with um, a lot of our paperwork and membership and insurance and, um, and all those things. And then also help with advocacy work. And for example, these bridges we're doing this, sum this summer are a forest service project. So we have to enter into what are cost share, called cost share agreements with the forest service, where um, we cover some of the costs of these things. So we do that by providing volunteer labor. So if it's a um, $60,000 bridge, we might provide $10,000 in labor. Yeah. And so we document our labor costs as we go and the Forest Service sort of counts our labor as our contribution. Nice. And then the rest of the bridge cost is being paid by grants this year as part of federal funding. But so we get a significant amount of money from membership. And then beyond that, we fundraise as necessary. So in the case of this bridge, um, we got about $10,000 in private donations toward building the bridge. There were a couple of other organizations that contributed. So that bridge is also part of the Catamount Trail Okay. So for people who aren't familiar, the Catamount Trail is a ski trail that goes from the south end of Vermont to the north end. And um, it goes through the same towns up in Peru and Landgrove. And so this bridge was also part of the Catamount Trail Association. So the Catamount Trail gave some money 
There's another organization up there called the Mountain Valley Trails Association, which helps maintain some trails for Nordic skiing up there. And so they contributed some money and the rest all came from soliciting private donors who had an interest in having the bridge fixed up there. Oh, and actually a significant contribution came from the town of Peru. That's awesome. So that particular bridge was on what is still, still remains a Peru class four road. Yeah. So the town kicked in some money to, for the new bridge as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's, so that's a little bit about the way the finances work. Everywhere. Uh, so is there a lot of collaboration with like skiers, bikers, horseback folks, and you know, all the different communities that use the trails? I would say yes. And it sort of depends on where. Yeah. So up in Peru, where we were talking about last year, that's also a cross-country ski trail, Catamount Trail. There are also some people who ride horses up there. And since it's a town road, they're actually allowed to do that. Um, it all depends on the allowed uses of the trail. In the national forest, like horseback riding isn't allowed on most of these trails. So they wouldn't, horseback riders wouldn't have much incentive to help out. Yeah. Um, and down here in Dorset, for example, those trails, although they'd be open to Nordic skiers, there's often not as much snow and not as many right. skiers, so less interest. Right. So it depends on where yeah. um, and what the trails are built for. The purpose-built mountain biking trails that we've been building in Dorset would probably not be as appealing to, to most skiers anyway. Yeah. Um, so it really depends on the place and sort of in terms of how much crossover there is. Yeah. Uh, do you have any upcoming plans? Yes, we do. So we just launched a project in Dorset in what's called the Raptor Lane land um it's the raptor lane and owl's head town forest in dorset we were just there so, hiking a few days ago awesome yeah so um you're probably familiar but there's the, the the town has had the owl's head town forest for a while and you can access some old quarries up there the gettysburg quarry and a couple of others and the town was recently given an adjoining parcel of land um that is accessed from a road called raptor lane which is right next to J.K. Adams in Dorset. Yep. And uh, the town is also gonna be building a new town hall up there on Raptor Lane. So wow. the town is gonna make all kinds of use out of that. But one thing is that they're going to allow the construction of some new mountain bike trails. Awesome. So we have a plan to put about five to six miles of new mountain bike trails up there. And the idea is that this is really intended to be beginner to intermediate trail. Um, so stuff that's more approachable than some of the other things around that we built more recently yeah. um, because that's really what we lack around here is something that that's doable to kids and beginners. Right. So we've already started a trail that will be pretty flat and is really uh, sort of wider and more flowy that's designed for more little kids and we'll be working from there. We're hoping to do some purpose-built downhill trails as part of it that we would hire a professional trail builder to come in and do. So there's a couple of miles of purpose-built downhill trails. It would be one way downhill. And then we're hoping to build three or four miles of sort of flowy single track that's designed for beginner to intermediate riders as well. That's awesome. So it'll be something up there for everyone. And that's really the kind of trail we've been lacking around here. Yeah, um, we As we've been getting into it as well with my kids, it's there's some amazing trails here and I love riding really hard stuff, but getting yep. a kid into it when it's you know, terrifying is hard. And there's some, yep. good, there's some beginner stuff around, but you get yep. bored after riding something too many times. 
right exactly and even slave valley trails where they have so many trails now there's still only a few that are right sort of inner appropriate they have bumper cars and merry-go-round that are pretty good at the fairground trails and pine hill park in rutland is a favorite of everyone um that's a place where anybody can ride um and have fun great thing there is that you can have a seven-year-old can have fun and there are things they can ride but somebody who's been riding for 30 years can go there and just have a blast as well and that was so, built with a lot of volunteers back in the day as well right entirely it's built entirely with volunteer labor which is amazing there yeah. was a um, sort of one person who spearheaded it and they have close to 20 miles of trail in there now just packed into a i think a square mile of land yeah it is impressive we, uh, we mostly played in it in the winter because Dakota used to play hockey right there. And we would yeah. go walk around in the winter a little bit there. I yeah. haven't spent much time there on a bike, but that is, it's impressive how much it is like right down in Rutland. Right? Absolutely. It's just right in town. And like, it's the, it's, those are the most amazingly constructed trails. Like they're just, they're all solid gravel base places they couldn't get down to gravel base. They literally just mined gravel and filled in the trails. Um, so those trails are just so indestructible. If there's no place around that's dry, you go ride Pine Hill because the trails are always solid and just always dry. That's good. Uh, so they're so well built and just so fun. And we need something a little closer than that. Yeah, for sure. That's exciting that Raptor Lane is uh, gonna flow up there. Yeah, so we'll be starting to, we're sort of still in the layout planning phase right now. We're waiting to hear about a state grant. We're hoping to get to fund some of it, but um, the town is contributing a fair amount of money and um, we're definitely launching the project, whether we get the grant or not. So we're making some final layout adjustments and getting started, but we hope to start getting volunteer groups together within a few weeks up there and to make a significant dent in it this summer. Sweet. Well, so I got to ask, what are your recommendations for somebody completely new to mountain biking? How do they, how do they get involved? How do you get started? Where's the jumping off point? If your parents aren't mountain bikers and you know, you have a bike and you like riding it, but now you're, you're hearing about these trails in the woods everywhere. Where, where do you, where do you start? Yeah, you've got to, <clears throat> it helps to know somebody who bikes who can give you give you some more concrete directions, um, get a decent bike. And, um, you know, one, one important thing is like, make sure you get a bike that's really made for riding on trails. Um, you know, when I have this conversation with, um, especially like a lot of new mountain bikers at Burn Burton, um, the way the conversation goes is, well, how much can you spend? Because <laughs> um, bikes are not, are not cheap. No. And, so I always recommend like, if you can't spend the money to get a pretty good new bike, then don't buy a new bike, get a used bike, because it's way more important that you have a well-built bike than a new bike. Um, so get a decent bike that's made for trails and um, get some advice from somebody around who rides or get them to go with you to start out. Um, there are some places around here you can go. The rail trails are a good place to sort of transition and try getting off road a little bit out in Pulteney and um, near you guys or up in the mountains, the West River Trail is a nice place to go. Along so, the West River Trail, there's some single track off of it in a few seconds. There is. Too, so is yeah, cool. but the road section, like if you start from South Londonderry, there's a few miles of basically old railroad bed, which is really flat and yeah. nice and easy. But then if you go down by the river and come back along the same section, 
it's sort of single track, but it's wide single track and just flowy. So that's a place that is a great place to learn to ride. I, I mountain unicycle. And so that's where I learned to mountain unicycle is to go ride there. So did you um, just say you mountain unicycle? Mount, mountain unicycle. Yeah, absolutely. So oh, that's it. that is amazing. When you get bored of mountain biking, then you start to <laughs> start to branch out. Take a wheel off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's wow, amazing. I, I've met a couple of unicyclists now and I mountain stuff that's that's insane that's awesome i gotta yeah. go out and ride with you sometime to see that it's a lot of fun it's a good it's a good um you know if you start to get bored on the same trails all the time on your mountain bike then you can go out the unicycle so um, but it helps me know around here like what's what's good for beginners because that's what i need on the unicycle so the west river trail is good there's some trails on mount equinox actually that are perfectly good beginner trails that are um, flatter and you know there's some that are ferociously steep that you don't want to ride when you're starting out but um, some are not bad and so like around the pond loop or what's called flatlanders trail so there's a few trails around um, are there resources a out there to point people toward that like where where does well, one get a map of some of these uh, different? Um, so I definitely recommend an app called trail forks or right. you, you can get for your phone or you can get on your computer um, it used to be completely free, but you subscribe now. You can get one region for free. So yep. if you just wanted to get trails in this area, you could do that for free. But if you wanted to get maps of more of the um, state or country, then you pay an annual subscription. But it's an amazing app, and all of our trails around here that are officially open to mountain biking are on there. Awesome. Uh, so that'll show you where the trails are and tell you about the where to park. And, um, you know, my family uses it as a resource all the time still when we go ride other places and you literally can see yourself on the map as you're riding and, and know where you are. So when we go to say Slate Valley trails where they're adding new trail constantly and yeah. uh, there's so much trail out there, we use trail forks and you don't need cell service once you have the map. Nice. So um, it's, it works via GPS and satellite. So the that's a great are really good at getting lost out in the woods. So that's kind of the question yep. we actually Awesome. Need. Yeah. And there's some programs around for kids. Um, interestingly enough, like I know of, of at least one for young girls, but I don't know of any official program for younger boys, but there's what's called Gritty Girls in Rutland, um, which you could probably find from the Pine Hill Park website. Um, but yeah, no, we need more organizations for to get kids together. Uh, so you work at BBA and yep. you have the mountain bike club there. Where, when does that start for what, what age does that start with? And so we are, work? um, it's actually a varsity sport at burn burden. Awesome. Uh, so for us, it's, you know, freshmen through seniors. Awesome. So we have kids come and join the team as freshmen. Most of them have never raced, but we are a team that races. So we race cross country races, which are, you know, like the trails around here. Um, the races are anywhere from four miles to 10 miles, depending on your level. There's all different levels for different levels of experience. And um, so there are beginner races and there are expert races. And we race in a league that competes really across northern New England, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. There's about 30 schools involved. And uh, we mostly compete in a western division of that. But then we have a northern New England championship where everyone goes someplace and races about three or 400 kids involved in the league. That's awesome. So it's super fun. And most of the kids, like I said, come in never having raced, but, um, and some never having mountain biked. And we actually can provide bikes to kids who need them. We have about 15 loaner bikes. And so we have always been able to hook kids up with loaner bikes 
who uh, want them and to keep those bikes operating for kids. Um, so it's a pretty low entry considering that it can be a pretty expensive sport, but that's part of what we try really hard to do is keep it accessible to everyone. Yeah. Uh, I have a huge number of volunteers, so I'm the head coach, but we have two other coaches who um, are full-time or almost full-time coaching. And then we have, I had about 11 other volunteer coaches who put in at least two afternoons a week wow. all fall when our season is. So we had about 14 coaches helping out because it's hard to go out in the woods with 35 kids, kids yeah. uh, who are at all different levels as well. Yeah, I, I have a degree in ecotourism and adventure travel. And for years, I taught survival in the woods of Pennsylvania. Wow. And uh, it's intense to have too many kids in the woods at once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never know what they're going to get into. Absolutely. And we, you know, we do have injuries. And I always, you know, I tell people, I don't think mountain biking is any more dangerous than soccer. I don't think we have any more injuries. But the difference is when we have the injuries, we're out in the woods. We're right. not. We're not 200 feet from the athletic trainer. Um, so we just have to know what to do about it. And we also have things break all the time. During the course of a season, we probably experienced 20 flat tires and 10 broken chains. And yeah. uh, so we need people who know how to fix them. And That sounds like an afternoon out with me. I, I'm changing way <laughs> too many tires and fixing way too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. awesome. I've, I've fixed a lot of tires in my life. So you've mentioned a couple shops in the area, a couple clubs and organizations. Are there other other community things you'd like to shout out and just give some notice of as far as mountain biking in this area? Um, there are not a lot of other official organizations. There are some who are starting to form. There are some people up in the um, Londonderry area talking about getting trails built at Floodbrook. Some of that's in in conjunction with it, with Stratton Mountain. You know, we work some with Stratton Mountain. We host a race there. Um, you know, we hosted a race at Slate Valley Trails. So there's a lot of organizations. Like I said, there's BATS um, down in Bennington and we share a lot of interests. Um, they also work with the Forest Service and things like that. And there's a lot of shops around. There's Batten Kill here in Manchester and uh, Bradley's. And then there's Four Mountain Cycle now up in Londonderry and then um, Stratton Sports and Akeep Sports and Rossonville. And so there are, there are a lot of bike shops around right now and more and more getting involved in, in promoting bikings and sort of various levels of road biking versus mountain biking and things. But awesome. but there aren't a lot of other organizations. I mean, we also have to work with the towns a lot. Um, the town of Dorset is definitely an integral partner in this um Raptor Lane project. Um, they're sort of our grant partner and they're providing a fair amount of funding. And um, so we have to work with the towns as well. And then, like I said, there are some other trail organizations like up around Peru, the Mountain Valley Trails Association and VAST, but I don't know of any others down in the Manchester Dorset area. Um, Hike Dorset is sort of a community committee as well. They have a full-time recreation manager, but they're sort of involved in maintaining the hiking trails in Dorset, but there's going to be a lot of overlap and more and more as time goes on, I think. Sure. But everybody's interested in recreation. And, you know, I think the COVID ec epidemic just reinforced that and the need for people to get outdoors has just exploded in the last year or so. Absolutely. So we're seeing trails used, you know, maybe twice as much last year as they were in the past. And over the winter as well, there were so many more skiers out in the woods. Um, sure. Trails that never got used in past years were actually sort of started to get a little bit busy this winter. Yeah. yeah. Great. 
definitely spreading out in the woods, which is yep. what we have here. So we have the space to do it. It's cool to yep. see people taking a taking it and getting out there because I don't know. I'm I've been blown away by the trails I've been on in the past year now in this area. It's just yeah, stupendous. I never expected it when I moved here. I I'm a whitewater boater and a mountain biker and a skier snowboarder i knew a lot of this stuff was here but the biking has just caught me off guard now and then my kids are finally yeah. old enough to play with me in the woods so i think we need this recording oh no they're recording us uh all right welcome to another episode of eye on the shires I'm here, me and Dakota have John Mallory from uh, the Northshire Area Trail System with us today. Hey John, how are you? I'm great, thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to talk to you. We, uh, we started this podcast to talk about the community and all the different groups inside of it that kind of make it special and what it is. And uh, we've talked to people from history, community what else sports uh outdoor ed and i will say one of the things that excites us most is the mountain biking in this area